Welcome to the Dare to Care podcast, brought to you by HR Culture. And now here's your host, Susan Judd. Welcome everyone, I'm Susan Judd and this is the Dare to Care podcast. For many years, I've worked with employers and leaders in business to enhance and amplify their leadership skills to build more effective and productive workplaces through improved communication, human connection and courage. During this time, it became apparent that we needed to really invest in helping our youth, our current generation Z, to better transition from school to work by developing their work readiness skills to really provide them with the opportunity to reach their potential, including an area I am very passionate about, emotional intelligence. Why? Because emotional intelligence is all about how we effectively and intelligently interpret our negative emotions, feelings like stress, frustration, disappointment, and so on, to enhance how we make decisions, how we behave, and ultimately how we perform. Leadership is not only about the strategic, tactical and operational aspects of planning, organising and managing, but so much of leadership is about how we make people feel, our team, our colleagues, our customers, and how that inspires and influences those people to in turn be more considered and courageous in their own behaviour, their own decision making and their own performance. And this is the ultimate purpose of my podcast, Dare to Care, to provide information, advice and perspective on how we can all work towards a future that is enhanced through emotional intelligence and for employers, creating environments that engage and help our younger workers reach their potential under your guidance and perhaps provide some important and broad insights for our younger workers to assist them to navigate the workplace with communication, courage and care. So today I welcome my guest, Tony Ryan. Tony is an education futurist and I am intrigued to find out more about what this means during our interview. I'm also going to be inviting Tony through our five questions to share his thoughts and perspectives of what is important for our Generation Zs who were born between 1998 and 2010 to assist our employers and these young Aussies to prepare for their future in the workplace. Let me tell you a little bit more about Tony. He has worked with over 1,000 schools, colleges, TAFEs and universities in 10 countries on developing their future pathways. He is the author of multiple books, including The Thinker's Keys, The Ripple Effect, Mind Links, Wrapped in Living, and a series of manuals and workbooks that stimulate, stimulate innovative thinking in classrooms. His latest book, The Next Generation, was recently released by Wiley and Sons Publishers. That's The Next Generation. In his book, Tony maintains that the future is meant to be a promise rather than a threat to our young people. As part of the promotion for the next generation, he appeared twice on national TV and in numerous radio and newspaper interviews. Tony is also an ambassador for School Aid Australia, a non-profit organisation that has raised over $5 million in the past 15 years to support children in disaster-affected regions of the world. If you want to find out more information about Tony, I will put the links in our episode notes. And I highly recommend Tony's book, The Next Generation. In particular, if you are a parent, a teacher, or an employer of young people, it, it has some excellent information and insights into how we can all amplify our influence on our young people. So without further ado, I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to Tony Ryan for joining us on today's episode. Hi, Tony, and welcome to the show. Oh, my honour to be with you, Susan. Love your work. Excellent. Thanks, Tony. So, Tony, we're here today to ask you five questions about your views and perspectives of our younger people, our Generation Zs, either who have already entered or will soon be entering the workplaces um, of Australia and gain some insights from your education futurist perspective on this generation. The five questions I'm going to ask you include the challenges that you believe are uh, Generation Z are faced with, with as they transition into our workplaces, 
your perspective on the best things, the skills and qualities and characteristics that Generation Z will and are bringing into our workplaces, your understanding of employer expectations in our contemporary workplaces. What do you believe employees expect and do you believe those expectations are reasonable and being met by our Gen Zs? And what are the critical skills that you believe young people need as they enter the modern workplace? And finally, your best advice for Generation Z as they transition into the modern workplace. So before we get into asking you those five questions, can I please start by asking you to tell us just a little bit about yourself and explain for us what an education futurist is and how you became one? Over to you. Um, <laughs> Susan, I'm a former teacher. I still work in education around the world. I'm fascinated by what's going to happen up ahead, as most of us are, of course. Uh, in terms of futures, you don't predict the future as a futurist. What you do is help people to get ready for it as well as possible. And that's why I'm really interested in the topic you want to talk about today. Excellent. Okay. So, Tony, I've, I've told um, our listeners just before I introduced you about your authorship, about you've written a few things. Can you tell us a little bit about your most recent, your most recent book? Okay, yes, I have. I'm fascinated by, you know, things coming up, as I said. I'm interested in people being able to think as well as possible. So my latest book is one called The Next Generation, okay, and it's all about preparing young people for the world up ahead. Well, there we go. <laughs> Mirror effect and all of that. Uh, so it just entrances me. And, uh, you know, all taking into account everything that's happened in the past couple of months, I actually still think the world is going to be fascinating up ahead and perhaps even extraordinary, though there are going to be some changes with that so-called new normal, especially with the world of work. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Tony, thank you for that um, and introducing yourself in that way. I'm going to get into, well, let's get into it and chat about um, some of these questions that I've got to ask you. So my first one to you is to really ascertain your thoughts on what you see as the current challenges or even some of the future challenges that you believe our young people will face as they um, enter into the workplace or get ready for the workplace? You know, if you had asked that question six months ago, you possibly would have received some slightly different answers. Uh, so if we're answering that question right now, even as a arch optimist, I'd have to say tricky for the next year, uh, especially for people in the ages of 18 to 24, because they're going to be competing with people who have you know, unavoidably lost their income, their work in the past couple of months. So things will be a bit tight. The positive side is we are going to need a lot of new employment eventually in areas that people may not even perceive. Uh, I think we're going to move more towards the social professions in terms of giving support to other people. Uh, some people might call it high touch, maybe high care. Uh, the data is very strong on that already and it's going to be even more so in the next couple of years. Uh, we're seeing people who are struggling with wellness and associated issues uh, being cooped up in homes for long periods of time. Governments will be looking to give support to people because of that. Uh, so you see, uh, while there will be difficulties for them, there are also going to be like lots of benefits as well. Uh, I would even encourage young people sometimes to seriously consider being more entrepreneurial. Sometimes they get into a pattern of thinking they need to do six years of a study and then go out and work for peanuts for someone for a long period of time until they build up expertise in the workforce. And most definitely that is still a key, you know, framework that we'll use, we'll use over, you know, the next 10 years. However, there is an increasing minority who see an opportunity in that so-called gig economy that's been around for 20 years, uh, and they actually go for it. And I'll tell you what, you need to just believe enough in yourself to just do it. We're all scared anyway, at whatever age we are, but still to give it a go. Yeah. You know, it, it's really worth doing. Another thing that they might charge, struggle with a little bit in the ages of 18 to 25 is age-old attitudes that take a long time to die. You know, like I actually say, don't listen to everyone who gives you advice. You know, perhaps have a listen and then decide whether to discard it or not. The dilemma with listening to people who are older than you is that they all presume that they know best because they've been through it themselves. And by the way, some of that advice is fantastic and worth listening to. Unfortunately, if someone is stuck in the 1980s, they tend to give advice accordingly, saying, well, you can get one job and then stay in it for your whole life. 
you know, someone who's 19 years old often doesn't want to do that. They want to do four or five jobs in their life or maybe more. They want to stay interested in things. So to me, one of their challenges, funnily enough, is learning how to pay respect to the oldies and still keep a fresh outlook in terms of amazing new things that are going to be happening over the next five to ten years. So interesting because your perspectives, I've, uh, you know, on each episode I, I ask the same question and I have not yet had an answer that's been the same from anybody. And so I think it, it's so, and that's what I love about this, these particular questions is the perspective changes based on your view, right? You know, the, oh, it's just, and your filter. Um, you know, you've highlighted in particular now a tight jobs market. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it's going to be tough because there's so many people out of work at the moment that even for the 18 to 24, you've got so much to bring. There's other people that it's not just them that's out of work. It's, it's, it's people in every age group at yeah. the moment. So it's going, to be tough. it's going to be really tough. Now, keep in mind that there is a massive degree of underemployment all over the world. There is not enough work for everyone. And the bigger picture on this one is that we're going to have to think what it means to be a worker. And that work might include part-time social justice support to a local charity. And you actually put that down as 10% of the time you contribute to life. See, one of my provocations to people of all ages, but especially young ones, is don't see work as something where you're just trying to make as much money as possible. That'll come with the job anyway if you love what you're doing. Look on it as a contribution. I live for the day when every young person wakes up in the morning and gets excited about the work they're going to do that day, which, by the way, could include, you know, partly some support for a non-profit organisation. So we need to rethink what it means to contribute to society because otherwise we will never be able to accommodate everyone and we'll always be fighting each other to try and find the little small pittance of work that comes through here and there. Mm, it kind of sounds like it's going to be, you know, like your, your vibe is that it's going to be pretty tough in the next year or two to get to, like, and I don't want to say the words to get to the other side. I think I just mean when, when lockdown is released and when we go back to what we would perceive as normal working when, we all, um, when we're all out of hibernation, um, it's, going to be, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. Well, we... I, challenge, I encourage people to rethink their attitude with it because one way of looking at it is, oh, woe is us, we are all going to go downhill. Another one is to work out the opportunities that come from the challenges, and there are always opportunities. So if you go searching online for opportunities from the pandemic, you will find hundreds of businesses that are thriving because they looked ahead. Yeah. Most people don't look ahead and think what's it going to be like up ahead. We need to really do that. And there are going to be some great opportunities. The economy will always keep going. Governments are desperate to, you know, boost them up again. Uh, there will be money lying around that will be used for that sort of purpose. So I say to people, don't lose heart on all of this. Actually look for the opportunities. And, and something else that you said earlier with these opportunities, speaking of opportunities, were these um, potential opportunities in, you called them social did you call them social industries or social touch? What did you call them? Because we, you were talking about um, you were talking about um, across the those uh, human connection industries. Really, was that kind of where you were headed with that? Uh, they're parts of each other. The human industries are the ones that involve you working with people directly. Yeah, uh, you know the, the teaching, the nursing, the social work. What I was partly referring to that you're talking about there is actually going to local charities and saying, I'm happy to offer to you three hours a week with the skill set I've got. If nothing else, it adds to your CV. And one of my points I'm going to make to young people is to keep adding to your folio of your skill set so that people understand how good you are at what you do. And that folio is not something that sits in just a paper folder somewhere. It's an online one. So it's got short snippets. It's got videos. It's got eight-second interviews with people who've worked with them before. And they build it up so that they can run a two-minute video of just how good they are at giving support to other people. You see, a lot of people these days want someone who really cares about other people. The reality is that the IQ is handy in terms of your intellect. The EQ is just as important in terms of your ability to connect with other people. No employer is going to take on someone who's disputatious and actually wants to destroy the team dynamic in an organisation. 
They want people who actually care for others. And you demonstrate that by actually giving support to others. Now, when it comes to business, they sometimes talk about, um, uh, what's the expression? It's uh, to do with capital, capital um, it's, it's a sort of a caring capitalism. Yeah. You know, like the 50-50 dynamics, you know, with Tom's Shoes and many others where they promise they will donate a pair of shoes to a person in a poor country when you buy a pair of shoes off them. You know, there are many examples of this. And by the way, those companies invariably make a greater profit than companies that do not give support in any way. And I'm finding also young people love working with those companies. Okay, and so I, I believe companies need to set themselves up so they actually see themselves not as a profit-making venture, even though money is critical, because otherwise it's not going to work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it also gives support. And then young people want to do that because I find most of them deeply care about giving support to other people. Yes, I've, I, yes, that's in some of the research I've been reading as well, that, yeah, that young people are really wanting to work for organisations that give back. Yep. Yeah. Sure do. So that, and, and I guess that's, that's um, something to consider as an employer of young people as well, is that, that you, will get, you will get the cream of the crop wanting to work for you if you are an organisation that is doing something for the community or giving back in some way to the planet, to the community, to the to other people and caring for other people. Well, Susan, when I, was, when I was doing research for that last book, I actually found that there are thousands of organisations around the planet who give time off on full pay to their employees to give support. You know, even banks, heaven forbid, who give at least a day a month, if you can name a charity and you go and support them. There are some organisations that give up to like 80 days a year in terms of you on full pay giving support to different organisations. So it's not something that's just a flash in the pan. It's not a wow. fly-by-nighter. This is commonplace now and very, very consistently so. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So we've talked about some of the challenges that you perceive or believe that our young people will face as they enter today's workplace. So now let's talk about some of the best Things, some of the best skills and knowledge and characteristics that you believe young people can bring to our workplaces? There are so many. You know, the obvious, uh, the enthusiasm, the initiative, the fresh, vibrant thinking. I mean, if you're 22 years old, you know how 22-year-olds think predominantly, and that's an increasing market anyway. You know, within five years, that will be 40% of the market up to the ages of 30. And so an organisation that wants to sell products or services to that age group are going to need to have that group with them anyway. Wow. So just the general thinking is really important. Mm. It's a gross generalisation, but when we come to technology, it's the same thing too. Now, you know, there are some 20-year-olds who have no idea about tech and some 60-year-olds who are geniuses with it, though the gross generalisation is the younger you are, the better you are with the technology. It's a natural thing for them, and they know how to build it into practice. And in most cases, that technology accentuates the workplace quality. It actually adds to it. There are so many ways of saving on money and maximising on performance by using the technology. And I find that most young people have got a really open attitude to learning. Yeah. Another gross generalisation, but as people get older, not all, but some of them slow down with wanting to learn new things, either because of ego or just because of, you know, being fearful about the world. They actually don't learn as often, whereas... Someone in the early 20s will just give it everything. You know, they'll just take yeah. on new things. I laugh when my tech person who's about 23 years old comes in and when he types something out, he just, he'll make mistakes and they'll say, oh, you've got to correct those mistakes. And he goes, oh, no, no, you know, the technology will do it for me. Yeah. And while I can get into the you know, concern about the spelling, the other side is they just go for it. They dive in, they give it everything and they try it. Whereas I find that I'm just careful about it and then I steadily put it into place. See, I love that attitude. See, and I hinted at it already, but I love the attitude that a lot of young ones have just to just simply making a difference with what they do. You know, the blunt thing is you're not, you aren't just employed on the, uh, you know, like the degrees you have. I can tell you now you are employed on the type of person you are. And, you know, we could talk about even interview skills and how you have to get across that you are inspired about life. You love taking on new initiatives and you can demonstrate it because of things you do on weekends or whatever. You talk about whitewater rafting with the new skills you take on. People want people like that. And that's what I love about young people and the way they can contribute to an organisation. I think that's really important, um, the, 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 the whole interview technique and interview skills and what um, great organisations are looking for now. 
Uh, it's not just about what you've got on paper. No. In fact, can I hint it in the strongest possible way that uh, not do you only need to learn interview skills, but you need to learn how to even apply for a position. Yeah. And what I maintain is that as well as fulfilling the criteria they set in it, because otherwise it won't get past the, the scanners, the automatic scanners, you need something that's quirky and interesting and, and different that appeals to the human being who finally reads it. So I remember reading of a lady in Western Sydney, a 22-year-old who was applying for a medical position and she was very keen on getting that particular job. And as part of her application, she sent them one of those blood-like uh, files, the uh, plastic containers that you put blood in at the side of a patient's bed, and she put some red cordial in it, and on it she wrote, I would give blood for this job. Wow. Now, when it got to the committee wow. near the end, they just burst out laughing, and they thought, well, she's quirky enough and she's got enough pizzazz to put that in. Yeah. Yeah. So you need things like that. I know of people who've hired a gorilla gram, someone in a gorilla outfit, to take their yeah, application in and put it on the front desk. And if nothing else that entertains people, you know, and it could be worth it for the couple of hundred dollars it takes to actually do something like that. Especially, if you, especially if you feel like it's the position of your dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, or if it's an organisation that has a really great reputation for not only the work but looking after their people, then yep. it might be an investment that really pays off. Yep. Get across to them who you really are. Show yeah. that you've got that energy for life. Okay. And then we even come to the interview itself now. They can be interesting skills and they need to be built up. So you need some good friends who practice with you and they just give you a hard time about it because it's better to go through the hard time at home with the three friends than it is in the interview experience. Because yeah. often in an interview, well-meaning people will still put you on the spot and see how you cope with pressure. So you need to be able to come up with the answers from off the cuff. You need to learn how to talk off the top of your head, so to speak. Yeah. Okay? And you need to have energy in your voice. So then you even work out the 10 minutes of what you do before the interview so you build up for it so the energy is flowing, okay? And read up on that. There's all sorts of ways of doing it, breathing deeply, you know, seeing good things happening, you know, sort of the mental rehearsal sort of stuff. Those are all part of it. Yeah, so that's about your mindset, isn't it? It's about getting your mind in the right place and also having, because what you're talking about there is some of those um, resilience strategies like the deep breathing and the mindfulness to be pre, pre going in for an interview. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So really important because I feel like you know, um, yes, the application. But it's so hard as somebody who, as somebody who helps employers, um, you know, um, recruit. Uh, you when you get one hundred and fifty applications via Seek, um, it's a tough gig. It's yep. a tough gig to because you've got no you've all, and that's the style of you know the, the uh, everybody loading it up applicants loading it up onto seek and you've got to trawl through 150 applications yes fundamentally an administration job uh and it's and it could be more you know there could be more than that and and it's you're right it's how to get the attention to say this person's got something to offer that yep. is intriguing Yep. Or interesting. So it's even, yeah, it's even, and that's way back at the application phase, not even, you haven't even got an interview yet. That's right. And you've got to go with the, go to the end. And then when you get shortlisted and go to interview, you've got to have, you've got to have yourself sorted out in the right, with the right energy, the right mindset. But I also believe the right questions to ask that employer because it's in your own, yes, it's in your research about what the employer actually does and the work they do what the job constitutes but it's also about you asking them questions so that they can really get a sense of what you've got to offer them yes great point agree? Hmm. great point hmm. excellent okay so these are the best things their enthusiasm their initiative i love that fresh vibrant thinking yes we talk about being tech savvy and this desire, this open attitude to learning because yeah, I agree with you, you know, um, there's older people and you know, we might be generalising, but, yes, it gets, and this is from personal experience, I'll throw myself under the bus, it's actually challenging to think about 
you know, the new things you've got to learn, especially when, I mean, I, I, I was talking to you before we started recording. I'm happy for the listeners to, to hear it. You know, I've got a, I've got a 14 and 12-year-old sitting here doing um, schooling from home and they are all over some things that I just, you know, I can do it. I'm a Gen X, right? So I can do it. I can kind of muddle my way through and I, I get that I need to use technology. It's a means to an end. But when I look at them, they don't know any different. They don't know how not to be digital pretty much. Yep. So I think, you know, that whole, they don't have the fear of learning and the world seems to, they just take change in their stride. They really do. You know, from going from face-to-face -face learning to blended learning, you know, to Zooming people or, you know, they've got all sorts of different platforms that they're using at school. Yep. Um, and they just go, okay, this is the next thing. Let's get into it. Look, I have high expectations for young people today because they deserve them. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to be extraordinary. Yeah. You know, bluntly, in spite of, or even maybe because of everything going on at the moment, I think the world could be an incredible up ahead. Yeah, awesome. Okay. So let's talk about your understanding of what you think employers expect of their young people. Um, what do you, I mean, I hear lots of things. So I'm curious to know what you believe employers are expecting of them, and are they realistic expectations? Fair point in itself. Uh, you know, it's a catch-22 for young people because to some degree employers expect them to have a high skill set immediately and to be able to start, the, you know, jump on the ground running, which is just not possible, even if you've done a full degree. You know, you're a babe in the woods, you've hardly started. So uh, my gut feeling is employers need to pay respect to that, and I find that good employers do, and there are a lot of good employers. The dilemma is that there are always a few people who are less capable, say, as bosses, and they give the rest a bad name. I find a lot of CEOs are very switched on human beings who really want this from young people. So they, and they accept that it's a catch-22 for them because they don't have all the skills set yet. So what you've got to do is take them on and help them to learn. One friend of mine who's a high-level CEO reckons that if he had a choice between someone with a perfect skill set who did not like learning and someone who did not have the skill set yet but loved learning, he would always take on the, the second one. He would always take on the second one because he can't change the first one. So when they need to take on new skill sets, there's no chance, whereas the second one's always open and thirsty to new you know, opportunities and experiences. So my gut feeling, and I reckon I can substantiate it with some you know, decent research, is that a fair proportion of employers want young people who are prepared to actually take on new things all the time, to have an open attitude to learning. That's my big one. Okay, can I ask you then, do you, and this is an off-the-cuff question, by the way, so sorry if you're not prepared, yeah. is that do you think then, because you're talking about CEOs that want people, young people with, um, that they can, they can um, build and grow and uh, invest in and, and learn their way and all of that sort of thing, so this love of learning. Do you think there's a disconnect between CEOs and people actually supervising those young people on the job? Oh, and look, fair point as well. The thing is, when we give an answer to any of those questions, there are a whole range of different, you know, possibilities. So I could take you into any city in the world and find exemplary examples and then incompetent ones. I can near guarantee that the incompetent ones who don't bring on amazing new young people are the ones who are doomed to failure over a period of time. Mm. All they're doing is building up around them people their own age and people of their own limited experience or otherwise and as a result, they don't see the world with open eyes anymore. Yeah. You know, the best employers are the ones who hire people who are not like them in most cases. They want someone with initiative who actually questions what is going on, respectfully, of course, but still questions it. Yeah. Mm, I love it because I think it, you know, it, it, it just um, presents this opportunity for young people, but they just need to be... They just need to be maybe lucky enough or maybe clever enough or astute enough to find those employers. Yep, do your research. Actually yeah. look for them. Go into Business Review Weekly. Go find any magazine somewhere. Look up the online journals and you'll be able to search for organisations who truly are exemplary. I could yeah. name a few right now. Maybe I need to. And it's where, you know, you go to them, you know they're going to support you to be amazing within a year. 
Yeah, okay. Do you think there's any benefit then to for people who want to work for those places to actually go and knock on their door and be seen without a job in a in, you know on a on an online ad or in a newspaper if they're still putting jobs in newspapers? You know, uh, is there is there any potential for that? Is there any kind of or is that asking people to not go, go you know to go in their thousands to these fabulous organisations? Yep. The short answer is yes. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Someone shows you the door. Yeah. You know, yeah. Around the world, they sometimes talk about the Aladdin factor. You know the whole bit about Aladdin and the magic lamp? Yes. From the Arabian Nights. And, you know, he'd rub the lamp and this genie would come out and grant all sorts of amazing wishes. Well, here's the reality. The genie will not come out until you make the effort to rub on the lamp. Yeah. You can't just expect the genie to appear out of nowhere. You know, people seem to think the universe is going to support them, except they're part of that so-called universe. Mm. So, yeah, knock on doors, you know, the six degrees of separation stuff. In a country like Australia, everyone's only three degrees separated. Yes. So actually think of the connections you've got to someone else who knows someone and put it out there. Yes. You know, come yes. up with your 40-second video about how amazing you are mm. and just put it out on social media and get people to hashtag it with interesting, like, tags, you know, and then get 10 of your friends who've all got 10,000 followers to actually put it up for you. You know, think differently. Get yourself yeah. out there. You just have to. Clever, clever. So I love the whole idea of videoing yourself and explaining what you're after and who you'd like to work for and what you can bring to an organisation. It's so initiative-driven. Yep, and people can see who you really are. Yeah. If you write a 1,000-word outline on who you are, it's just words. Anyone can write the words. And I don't knock that. It's important too. Though in a one-minute you know, video, you can see the person with their eyes. You can see the energy. You can see who they really are. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. I love it. Okay, so our fourth question to you, Tony, is what are the critical skills that you believe young people need as they enter today's workplaces? Okay, I sort of answered that one with the question of what is a skill. Uh, I think an even a more beautiful word is what we call capabilities. Now, a skill is something you can do immediately. Like you can be shown a skill on how to negotiate in a business meeting so that respectfully you come to a conclusion. But a capability is something that makes you more capable in the workplace up ahead. So, for example, a capability could be something like deep empathy. So you have a sense of sensing someone. Now, brilliant people in business and in all professions have got a sense of empathy with other people in the room. So they learn how to pay respect to them and still lead to a you know, worthwhile conclusion on what you're doing. You know, so to me, those capabilities are really important. So when you ask that question about the skills, fine, uh, you know, things like thinking skills, but I then still take it further into something like adaptive agility. I know they're fancy words, and yet it's pretty well what we've been talking about. It means you can adjust to circumstances really quickly. Okay, so those capabilities are massive. Some people call them enterprise skills. Yes. And basically, they're going to be things that robots can't do, at least for a long period of time. Yeah. Okay, so they're things that are deeply innately human. See, you know, when you ask what skills are needed, look, if you, for example, are going to become a medical intern, you've got to have the skill set and the knowledge that comes from doing the degree. However, if you're a, a rude individual who treats people badly all the time, no one's going to want to work with you. Even the patients won't want to go near you and you'll get bad reports and then you'll be, you know, let go and a whole lot of other things. So it's IQ and EQ in response to your question. IQ is the intellectual skills. It's the knowledge base. The EQ are the emotional skills, the ability to actually work both within yourself and be aware of yourself and then to connect with other people. Yeah. And that actually loops back around to what you were saying right at the very beginning about um, those, you know, those human connection kind of jobs that will be, that we, you know, uh, because robots can't dem at the moment demonstrate empathy. So in those roles that we need to connect with humans like teaching, nursing, um, social, you know, work in the social services, um, these are the, they're the you know, the, you need those skills to be successful in those industries as well. And by the way, I can, I can throw like a, a little uh, sideline on this one and that is that inevitably in, say, two decades from now, robots will be able to do a lot of this work. So you see, we always need to keep an open mind on different things because we already have what we call empathic robots. So Pepper is the best known one. At the Olympics in Tokyo next year, which I'm certain will be on, 
in 2021, you will have see Pepper everywhere because Pepper has a voice recognition technology and also a camera in its head that can see your face. And we all have about 3,000 facial expressions that give clear indication of what we're thinking and how we're feeling. So Pepper can recognize those expressions and then respond to you accordingly. Now, that's the early days of this sort of thing, though in 10 you know, 15 years' time, increasingly robots will be serving us in, you know, restaurants and doing lots of things that previously we thought were only for humans. However, don't put that off, actually still getting the personal skill-type work. Uh, it's still going to be around for a long time, and I think people are going to turn off a little bit on having robots helping them only. Yeah. They will, they will use them in aged care homes uh, because they'll have no other choice. Uh, though, yeah, you still, yeah, you I'm just, just saying you've got to be open. Even even that, even when you talk about aged care homes, it's like, you know, you've got people there with with illnesses, with um, dementia, and uh, and it, it's hard to envisage a robot helping those people to support yep. them, isn't it? And, you know, like already in aged care homes, we have robot pets. Mm. And by the way, they're very effective. So you can have, yeah. it costs maybe $6,000 to have like a cat that yep. purrs and it actually moves its back when you actually stroke it. Now, for someone yep. with dementia, dementia, it can feel really, very comforting. Yeah. So, yes, there is de definitely the technology that's going to build up. Though, see, at a bigger stage sometime, we need to talk about beyond work. Yeah. And that's a bigger question. Really, we need to ask what sort of society do we want to have up ahead, then backward map to now and create the work that's going to lead to that society. You know, in ancient Greek times, they talked about a concept called eudaimonia, the art of full living. It's to actually enjoy your life. And that's what's going to happen with this pandemic. People are already thinking about it because they're sitting like you are with your two kids. Yeah. And they're going, wow, you know, like actually there's some merit to this. I don't have to rush to the office every day and I get to spend time with people I love. Not everyone, but a lot of people. And yeah. so they're asking big questions, including about work. And they're going, do I need to make quite as much money? Can I get by without quite as much? You know, and 3D printers are going to print material for near free. You won't have to pay much for a lot of things. There's big times coming. And so mm -hmm. I come back to that adaptive agility and staying open to all the amazing things that are going to happen up ahead. For me, I think some of those things, that those critical skills that you're suggesting our young people can develop, they're also critical skills just as a human race that we can develop. Yes. So, yes, we're highlighting that this is, these are probably skills for some young people to consider. But I, I fundamentally think that these are also skills that anybody in any workplace or any parent can really start to think about this um, deep empathy, this adaptive agility. I just, you know, I love it. I think they're skills that they make us different. Well, Susan, if, you know, given you saying that what we need with adults is for them to model to young people what it means to be a good human being because they are the ones who are more likely to get the work anyway. Yeah. They really are. So we need to model to them what it means to be adaptable, uh, mm. to be good thinkers, to be innovative, to have good initiative. To sit in front of a TV for eight hours a day and drink wine is not exactly a good model to young people. You know? You've been not... at my place. <laughs> You've been uh, at my place uh, during the pandemic. Not yours, of course, though <laughs> lots of others... You know, otherwise, the young ones are looking at them going, is that what it, is that what it means to be a grown-up? I don't yeah. want to go there. Yeah. You, know, so you have to show them what it means to be amazing. Yeah. And that's what they want to do with their work. They don't want to do just one job for life because they're seeing too many of their parents who are stuck in a rut of one job for too long and they're in their mid-50s and they hate it and they don't like the boss and they don't have enough superannuation so they have to keep doing it for another 12 years. And these 14-year-olds and 20-year-olds are looking at them going, do I want to be like that at that age? No way. And yeah. so they're living like seven-year cycles. They do a degree, then they go and do some work, and then they go off to South America for two months. You know, that might change, but that's what's been happening till now. You know, yeah. lots, of, lots of flexibility in life, and they'll never retire. Yeah. That's another thing about 20-year-olds. They're never going to retire. They'll keep working until they're 94. And that, you know, what, some of what you're saying is, resonates right now because, you know, every young person I've interviewed so far on the episodes preceding this one have all had multiple things going on, not just one, you know, kind of career, not just, you know, and you think back 25, 30 years when Gen Xs were coming out of high school and going into, um, going into university or going into the workplace and they, they just managed one job. 
or they went to uni and maybe had a part-time job and then came out and did something, right? And even Gen Y, so at the top of Gen Ys, but then you, if we're looking at um, young people in the workplace now, now I'm talking mid-20s down, they've got so much going on. They might have, you know, two casual jobs, something that they're doing self-employed and they're also at university or doing some sort of yep. study. It's just like this constant juggle of things going on. Yep. Yeah. They are. So that actually tells us that they're pretty good managers of their time or their, um, you know, the of, of projects. You know, their own project management skills are pretty good too. And, you know, so given that, you know, like with that last question where you were going to talk about, you know, advice for young yes, people, it's really important to collate those great things they're doing. You know, I, would, I actually believe everyone between the ages of 15 and 30 needs to have their own website where in a humble and yet direct way, they explain why they are very good at what they do. Now, you know, in a country like Australia, you need to be careful about being too arrogant and pompous about mm. who you are, except it's just as bad to be at the other end where you actually demean yourself and you never tell anyone how you know, amazing you could be. So you need a healthy middle area with your website. So, you know, come up with your address. I think new parents, when they have a baby, need to register the baby's name at birth, you know, with their name so that they will have their own website as they grow up. Yeah. Then put in, you know, short, interesting videos that, and everything else it takes to actually demonstrate how impressive this person is. Because when they put in that application for a job, they don't have to write out the long-winded application unless it's necessary. What they just do is say, go to this link. Yeah, wow. It's also, it's also easier for the person who's considering it, and they love the initiative of it all. Because you okay? could be oh, so clever because you could put your, you know, you could put your, your education background, your different certificates, but you could also put other things that you've done where you've, volunteered in the community where absolutely yeah and, and i recommend strongly to do really short punchy interviews short punchy interviews and you know we're talking 15 seconds and it's interviewing the ceo of the the homeless association where you've been giving support you know once a weekend for the last eight years and she or he would be delighted to do the interview so you have the little caption underneath you know the person who's you know uh, being interviewed and, uh, you know, so this person, the 20-year-old just says, you know, it just puts the camera on them, just their mobile. You don't have to be fancy about it. You don't have yeah. to hire some expensive equipment, just the mobile. And the CEO just says, I have to tell you, Brody is the best person going. This is what he's done for our organisation. I recommend him highly. That's it. You know, short, sharp, punchy. It's the old form of a reference, isn't it? It's yes. The, it's, but it's much more engaging yes. and credible. Yes, this is how the world works today. Yeah. You know, people need to, you know, hear something exciting and vibrant. Learn how to put a bit of music in the background. It's quite easy to do. Yeah. You know, really pump it up. Make it something really exciting. See, I want eventually for the organisations to be chasing these young people. And actually, I think that's going to happen if I can read the demographics properly over the next five years, which is tricky at the moment. Except yes. we're going to need more young people. We're going to need them. You know, it's not as though everyone's going to lose their job. Uh, so those organisations are going to be, like, chasing them. So they need to put themselves out there. Yeah, I love that advice. That's, that's brilliant. I hope everybody, when, when, when we're published, when you're published um, onto the uh, podcast episode, Tony, and these, uh, some of these young people hear that advice, I hope they go and register their domain name and start to build their profile online because employers already go to Facebook. They already go to Instagram. Use it to advantage. They, they're already going there from the old style paper application or online application. Then they go and have a look at their social profile, social media profile. Yep. Oh, wow. How great would it be if you had... I, I love that whole idea of val that balance between arrogance and humility. Yep. Uh, because it is a bit of a fine line in Australia anyway, isn't it? Yes. We've got to be really mindful of being judged and seen as being arrogant because we're promoting ourselves. We have yep. a bit of self-promotion versus yep. being too humble to actually say what we've done and what we feel we're good at. Oh, uh, Susan, you, know, you, could, you could draw all that together with what is called reputation management. No, I love it's it. where you manage your reputation online and in real life. Okay, so that's why young people need to be a little bit careful about what they do put into Facebook. And if they do put in the 
shall we say, the tricky stuff, they need to keep it private so that no one outsider can actually find it. Because yeah. if I'm looking for someone to employ, that's the first place I go. I just put the person's name into social media and see what I find. Yes. You know, and if I find that they've, you know, been very naughty yeah. in ways I wouldn't accept ethically, you know, in my organisation, I wouldn't want to know about them. So relationship, yeah. you know, reputation management, very important. Yeah, love it. Okay, so that's your best advice, Tony. Is that right? <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Any other advice you've got to offer outside of what you've already offered? <laughs> You know, like, I think we've mentioned a lot of the stuff about connecting with people and, you know, doing the interviews well and all that sort of thing. I love the work by a guy called Adam Grant who reckons that out in, in work there are three groups of people. There's three types. There's givers, there's takers, and there's matches. Hmm. The givers always give. So you go up to them and ask for something and they drop their work and they go and help you. A yeah. taker is someone who never gives. They only take all the time. So they actually get what they want and they never return it to someone. Then you've got matches who will give as long as someone, as long as they're able to take as well. Three groups. Now, the funny thing is that givers are the least effective. Even though you think they're going to be the most wonderful people, they're the least effective if they don't watch their own work because otherwise they get distracted too easily by helping others. But here's the funny thing. The most effective people in an organisation are also the givers. Yeah. As long as they learn how to manage doing their own work properly, because they help others, they build up collateral connections with other people who just love having them on the staff it yep. always comes down to the quality of the human being you are so yep. don't just keep thinking about doing endless degrees because if you're a fool who treats people badly it doesn't matter how many degrees you have you must yep. all the time work on your social skills and your ethics and your your sense of just excitement about life that matters just as much yeah love it because i love how we kind of come into the end of our podcast and we're back at mindset and you know welcome to the you know the, the the complexities of life because life has its highs and lows i'm not into the happiness thing i think it's rubbish you know that bit about don't worry be happy yeah i actually think we need to just engage in full experience like give it everything to whatever you do including the lows and the highs and everything in between yeah. however the people who achieve are the ones who still are prepared to rub that lantern yeah. Okay, and they make the effort to have the genie come out, and the genie, in fact, is them. Yeah, putting themselves putting themselves forward and starting to showcase what they can do. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so Tony, thank you. You've provided us with so many amazing insights today about your views, I guess, uh, when you look into the future of um, work and. And all of the excitement and opportunity, and can I t say that comes out in your book, by the way, the, 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 you know, that whole idea of this is, we've got so much to look forward to. Um, so let's make it the best we can for our, our children and, our, and these younger generations. So I love that. Because um, it's all about you start the book with mindset and we finish the episode with mindset. So I love it. Um, so I personally, um, I personally, I have to, I have to say that on previous episodes, I've been truly inspired um, by our younger generation, their adaptability um, in the face of adversity, particularly right now, um, their desire to do good for the world and um, to build an exciting future for themselves in terms of entrepreneurship, um, yes, education, but certainly giving back in that whole entrepreneurship. They're braver than I ever would have been, I've got to say. And actually, I really love that. I find that inspiring that they that they can teach. I think they can teach me something every day, um, and I think that's a really good mindset to have. Did you want to make a comment? <laughs> I could comment on everything you've said. Basically, it's a mirror. I'm just nodding to what you're saying, Susan. Excellent. Okay, so I'd like to extend to you my grateful thanks, Tony, for taking the time out to speak with us, with me, and our listeners today. Um, and as, our, as my guest on our Dare to Care podcast. Whether you are a young person who has already entered the workplace or are preparing to, or as an employer or even as a parent of a young person, we can be excited and look forward to what the future holds. And I think an important takeaway for me is to make sure I'm positive about the future and what it holds for our Generation Zs, because as I've told you, I've got two here with me. Um, as what I do and think and say influences the young people that are around me. Um, if you would like more information about Tony Ryan podcasters, 
um, I recommend accessing your own copy of his most recent book, The Next Generation. Tony, flick it up in the front of the camera. You got it there? Flick it up. I sure did. That's it. Yes, with the kids on the front. Love it. Uh, thank you. I have read and highly recommend it to you. I read it with the perspective of Dare to Care as well as my most important role as a parent of one teacher, teenager and one soon-to-be teenager. Look out the next six months. Uh, you can find out more information about Tony at his website at www.tonyryan.com.au forward slash home. I will put Tony's link to his website in our show notes so that you can go on there and find out more about Tony. Tony, is that where um, people can access a copy of your, purchase a copy of your book? Uh, that or at any bookstore you can order it. Okay, or, could, or, or at any regular bookstore. If at the moment they are indeed open, maybe online bookstores. All the online ones. Excellent. Um, so we'll have links to that as well um, in our show notes. So thank you very much, Tony, for your time today. Would you like to say bye to our listeners? <laughs> thank you, Susan. An honour to work with you and I wish all the best to young people for their future in work. Excellent. Uh, I second those thoughts. And finally, listeners, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please give our Dare to Care podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify. If you have questions or comments about the episode, please contact us via our website at www.daretocare.com.au. Uh, or you can you can find us on Facebook at Dare to Care AUS with a two instead of a T-O, Dare number two, Care AUS, and either leave a comment or private messages. We love and truly appreciate your feedback. So thank you for listening. I'm Susan Judd, and until our next episode, how are you going to Dare to Care? Thank you for listening to the Dare to Care podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or find out more about HR Culture and Dare to Care by going to hrculture.com.au. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.